if you weren't afraid of the dark before, you will be. That, of course, is a classic marketing tagline for Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. And this is Videogameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises one title at a time. I'm Ben Reeves. And I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by a couple of Nintendo ambassadors, Kai and Kyle Parker. How's it going? Going great. Doing great, fellas. Thanks for having us. Yeah, welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. Welcome to this Metroid team we've created. We're talking about Metroid Prime 2, working our way through the series. And I heard you guys are something of Metroid experts. Am I correct? My husband definitely is. Uh, I have actually learned more from him than I have on my own, um, simply because he's a massive Metroid enthusiast. So that's exactly why I asked to have him on the show with us, because he knows way more about Metroid than I think most people do. Yeah. Is that right, Kyle? think she's blowing me blowing some hot air at my skirt but uh I, f- I feel like i'm a pretty big metroid fan and really enjoyed the franchise and have played through you know all the games since i was little so maybe there's some truth to it <laughs> all right hot shot what's samus's middle name that i don't know so you got me there for all i know she doesn't have one but it's probably mario or something <laughs> I, was like, I don't even think she has one <laughs> it'd be like martha alamu yeah. <laughs> it's blaster come on guys samus <laughs> bartholomew samus yes <laughs> that's her full name i'm sure well like we said we're here to talk about metroid prime two echoes is the full title game came out in 2004 so i'd like to just cast your mind back to 2004 real quick if you will the games of 2004 doom 3 came out that year grand theft auto san andreas which just got re-released coincidentally enough Half-Life 2, Halo 2, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, and World of Warcraft, the first release of World of Warcraft, which is wild. Also, Mm. in February of that year, Zero Mission. So the second GBA Metroid came out. Wild, we got two Metroids. It wasn't the same day like last time, but it was same year. We talked about this on a previous episode. Like, what a wealth of Metroid games. (laughs) It was honestly the golden age for Metroid, I think. We really didn't appreciate the early 2000s as Metroid fans, did we? <laughs> we really should have. Uh, Kai and Kyle, do you guys have like a favorite Metroid game from that era? Um, I think for me, uh, I, I really enjoyed Prime. You know, as much as I loved like, you know, Super and the various other 2D Metroids, I think for like the first time, like, you know, because being a big Halo fan, kind of getting behind the visor. Uh, and kind of putting yourself in those shoes, uh, I think Metroid has a really good way of evoking the loneliness and the atmosphere of the different worlds. And I think Prime was a really good segue from bringing, you know, the ambiance that we got in the 2D games to a first-person shooter and putting yourself, like I said, behind the visor. It, like the the music and everything from the first Prime it still like resonates with me and, and brings me right back into those moments for sure. So I have to agree with that, especially since um, like we were saying earlier that we've been playing through, you know, the, the older games in prime and everything. And uh, I feel like I didn't really appreciate prime as much as I do now, um, especially playing through it again, uh, being, you know, older and everything and actually really getting to appreciate how the game is. Um, and like you were saying, like being behind the visor, like it was just it's so cool. Uh, definitely a really neat step in the Metroid world. Yeah, 
there was there's really nice touches like in the first person camera where explosions go off and you can see her face reflected in her yeah, own visor. Like the reflection in the the visor itself. We for didn't sure. talk about that last time, but I thought always thought that was a really cool effect. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Few other things 2004 was known for. Uh, obviously, I think we've said that 2004 was great for video games. Maybe not so great for movies. The one of the biggest movies of the year was Shrek <laughs> Two, so that was actually the highest grossing film of the year. Are you dissing on Shrek Two? I will diss on Shrek Two all day. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> It's probably the last good Shrek, in my opinion. Uh, that's that's very fair. Uh, I think they they went a little too far after that, but that's just me. Well, to each his own. I don't know. I don't think you can go back and watch any of the Shrek films today and appreciate them. If you show them to a kid today, they will puke. They will just immediately start puking. Well, Ben, you might as I, they're tearing down the Shrek 4D att- attraction at Aurora Universal really? in Orlando. So. I'm sure you're tap dancing with that. <laughs> uh, I actually went to see that like a year and a half ago. I was out there uh, seeing stuff before COVID and not impressed with that ride personally. So yeah, I don't mind if they tear that down either. Are you just, are you just dancing on the Shrek grave now? You're just like, all right, ready to move on. I hope they tear down the Shrek ride at Universal and create a dance studio. That's what I want. <laughs> Are we sure we don't want to talk about Shrek instead of Metroid? Yeah. Surprise, guys. We're actually talking about That's Shrek. why I called you here. Because honestly, there's not a whole lot of other movies from 2004 to talk about. A Million Dollar Baby was the one that won the award for Best Picture that year. A few other events. NASA got the Mars Explosion Rover working again. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was not working for a while. I think because of some dust or something. Oh, somebody blew the dust uh-huh. out. From from Earth. <laughs> yeah, we just got a big <laughs> funnel and just a bunch of people from NASA yelled into it. 2004 was also the year that the Boston Red Sox finally won the World Series again since it was the first time since oh, 1918. Yeah. Is that the last time they won it, too? I'm not a I'm baseball, baseball guy. guy either. I don't know. I was going to say, have they won it since I, then? Yeah, it might have been <laughs> the first and last time. So get ready for another 100 years, everybody. All right, like we said... Metroid Prime 2 Echoes came out on November 15th, 2004, developed by Retro Studios. Here's the interesting part about Echoes development is it originated in a concept called Metroid 1.5. Are you guys familiar with this? I'm not. Apparently on the day that Metroid Prime released, so November 17th, 2002, the team at Retro started to think about, okay, what's going to be the next thing we do? And one of the people on the team came up, had been working on a project, a pitch, I should say, called Metroid 1.5. The pitch is, uh, this is something that was dug up a few years ago. So Tony Giovanni and Andrew Jones put together this pitch within Retro of a smaller project that they thought they could get done within about a year was the concept. And let me let me read some of, this, uh, some of the pitch details here, because I think it's actually kind of an interesting idea. So this is from the pitch. It says this adventure would have taken place immediately after Samus took off from the surface of Talon 4. Upon ex- exiting the planet's surface, Samus takes a long rest in her cryo chamber. However, Samus's ship hones in on a distress signal from a huge alien vessel. So while Samus is sleeping, it turns out her ship's like, oh, you don't want to go home. Let's go over here. <laughs> when Samus's ship arrives, a tractor beam activates and pulls Samus's ship into the docking bay. The ship's doors close, and the ship immediately like 
ports out of existence. It like enters into a parallel dimension. And this is how the, the new Metroid game would have started. Hmm. What a fun way to huh. wake up from cryosleep. Yeah. Just immediately captured. <laughs> you think you're going home and you're like, wake up and you're like, what? I'm in like some docking bay. Would this have been, I guess this would be before her, her uh, ship was powered by Adam. Or maybe that was always the case, but that just hadn't been revealed to fans yet. Uh, yeah. So what Metroid Fusion talked about, Adam. Doesn't Prime take place before just Fusion. before Super Metroid? Yeah, because the whole Prime series is in between one and two. So and Adam, I, don't, I think, doesn't come until Fusion, right? Yeah, right. that's the first time he's ever. Yeah. So that would be technically after Super. So then this oh, yeah. would be before Adam. Yeah. OK. I'm trying to see who you point the finger at here. Like, why would you do this? It's interesting that you brought up Adam because there is an AI program in this pitch that they said this, the ship that was sitting out a distress signal, which is a giant vessel that this is where the game takes place is on this massive ship that Samus explores. And it's a uh, here. Let me just read this. There's a mystery on the ship and the mystery being that the ship's AI has gone mad and the ship is actually a war vessel on a collision course with a peaceful planet. Its goal, the entire enslavement of a race of beings, as well as the natural resource stripping of all of its assets. Like, this is like, oh, okay, the ship was going to do this itself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the ship apparently has people also in cryo storage, like warriors. And throughout the game, Samus would run into them and and fight. Do battle with the ship's defenses, as well as like people who are starting warriors who are starting to wake up from cryo sleep. So was this pitched as a a FPS prime game? Yeah. So the idea would they would have taken all of the resources that they had built during prime one's development and remix them. It kind of sounded like a DLC, but DLC didn't really exist back then. Yeah, yeah. The what the process you're describing reminds me of like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah. Where they like reused all those assets to make this new game in such a short amount of time. I think that's kind of what they were thinking about as well. They're like, well, you guys did Majora's Mask kind of like this, and this is could be like what we would do. It's something yeah, that like, we can not, knock out. Not, why not do it with Metroid? Yeah. It's something we can knock out in a year. That was the in the pitch itself. It's like, I think we can do this. We have the resources to do this quickly. We can use a lot of the art assets we already have and make something new from it. The cool thing about this too is the AI we spoke of had different personality settings. So there was one labeled the child, one labeled the killer, one labeled the martyr, and one labeled the fool. And as Samus explored the ship, she would interact with the AI in its various forms. And sometimes the AI would try to play tricks on her, like turn off the lights or lock the doors behind her or otherwise activate security system settings. So it sounds kind of like, I think that sounds actually like a cool idea. It really does. It's like four different howls from 2001. <laughs> almost. Right. Open the pod, pay doors, child. I am not a child. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and, and then I'm the wacky fool. Aha. I wonder though, because that's, like you said, that's something that was uh, left on the cutting room floor. And looking at Metroid Dread kind of being an idea that was shelled for a while and mm-hmm. they brought back. It'd be cool if Metroid Prime 4 was just this. Right. <laughs> like, apparently, the cool thing about the game existing in a parallel dimension is that there were areas of the ship where the floor this is in the pitch where the floor may become a ceiling or gravity could be reversed or time could run backwards. So they're trying to play with different ideas. And that's stuff I don't think I've seen in a Metroid game before. 
It sounds very Zelda-esque. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Majora's Mask where you flip the temple and then everything is on the ceiling or even Twilight Princess with like the gravity boots. Like it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. That's very interesting that they, you know, I kind of wish this happened. (laughs) Yeah, funny enough, I thought of Symphony of the Night, another. Yeah, 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 for sure. The inverted castle. (laughs) It's like, it'd be cool to see Metroid take a cue from Castlevania. (laughs) Oh yeah, that would be so cool. So cool. I think Samus should have a familiar. Like a pet? She is. Dark Samus. Dark Samus, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's quite a familiar. Yeah. Nothing more familiar than your own face, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can get into Dark Samus in a minute, but just to finish the de- development stuff, apparently they pitched this Metroid 1.5 and Nintendo didn't like it for some reason. And they said, just keep working on something else to make a more traditional Metroid, I guess. And so that's when they started to come up with the idea of this light and dark world which you see in Metroid Prime. And that's where it gets the Echo's name because there's that dark Echo. There's this other world that you're exploring, which is also kind of reminiscent of Majora's Mask in my mind. So I don't know if they were just playing a lot of Majora's Mask back then or what. Yeah. Yeah, Most Zelda games are that really like Link to the Past. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, later, you know, Link to the Past had the light and the dark world. um, And then, you know, Twilight Princess kind of the same thing obviously you know that came a little bit after but um i've I've kind of noticed that nintendo tends to kind of do that in games not just metroid but just in games in general they they seem to like to have like a flip side of worlds no matter what franchise it is and to me i I mean i think it's really neat but i've just kind of noticed a little bit of a pattern in that and the fact that they were kind of thinking of you know doing something like that like with metroid or you know whatever um it 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 makes sense just because of their track record of (laughs) doing it in the oh, past sure. they're, just, they're the company i think of when i think of that right yeah mechanic. for sure yeah especially like i said link to the past for sure was real big on that funny you bring up link to the past so when retro said hey we want to do this dark world idea nintendo nintendo was like are you sure doing a alternate dark world is very hard and they said you have to talk to the link to the past team you have to talk to these old developers who worked on link to the past <laughs> and they were like yeah it's hard that's what they were telling yeah. Retro. I was like, okay. Yeah. That'd be great if that's all the emails said, like, hey, they're going to tell you it's hard. Yeah, they're they're gonna gonna like, is it hard? I just say, yeah, it's hard. That's it. <laughs> no elaboration. Yeah, it's I'm going to save you some time and be like, it's hard. Okay. <laughs> Confirmed. It's hard. We talked a little bit last in the Prime episode about how difficult development was for Prime. And I think it was as well for two, but it got better. Michael Kelbaugh took over around this time, around the beginning of Metroid Prime 2. And he's still the, I believe, the CEO of Retro now. But when he took over, he said a bunch of people, like for his first day, came in and quit. <laughs> they were all like, we can't handle this anymore. We're done. And he said, hold on, guys. Oh, wow. Give me a couple of weeks. I'm talking to Nintendo. I'm talking to everybody involved. And I'm going to try to like make a better working environment for us. After Prime, like we talked about last week and how hellish that development was. <laughs> That's yeah, he kind of inherited. Right. He inherited a mess. Yeah. And we talked about how yeah. awesome Prime One was in spite of it. Yeah, I don't blame him. Even if you make a masterpiece, you don't want to like go through hell to do it a second time, I'm sure. Right. Mm. So yeah, he said, give me some time. And according to this article on IGN, nobody ended up quitting. Apparently he won him over. And I think he's been doing a good job since. So that's good to hear. Oh wow. Mm. That's a big achievement. Oh. <laughs> Actually, yeah. after I the- want to see that speech. Yeah. Or that email, whatever he did. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's a, a very convincing email. Right. It was just like, hey, I, I, 
you should stick around for the pizza party. And the pizza party just never yeah, kept coming. Yeah. It's like, no, oh, no, pizza next party week. And like the one, two liter of Coke. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> what if I told you donuts were coming this afternoon? <laughs> That's it. They want them over. They want them over with, with food. I mean. It's like a two liter of Coke and like a diet Sprite. It's always like too many yeah. diet sodas, more yeah. diet sodas than you want. <laughs> well, hey, congrats, Michael. Good job. Yeah, good job. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the, the Metroid we didn't get. But the Metroid we did get was still pretty good. I kind of think of Metroid Prime 2 as kind of a black sheep of the of the Prime games because it's, I don't know if you remember it, it is super hard. Yeah, I thought I thought it was more half black and half white, personally. It's the half black, but... it's the cow. It's the milking cow of the Metroid <laughs> yeah. series. Yeah, that's, I like that. But yeah, it is, when I first played Prime 2, which was, uh, and I said this last week, uh, I did Prime, Prime 2, and Fusion all in the same year, in 2011. And yeah, that's what stood out to me the most, was like, this seems harder than before in a in a way that like at some points I didn't enjoy as much. Like I still love the game, but I got stuck in it in a way that I had not with any other really any Metroid mm-hmm. game up to that point. And I was like, hmm. I was like, I can't be bad at this. I'll say I was like, is it really is it really a Metroid game if one, it's not like super difficult in areas, or two, you get stuck? <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, because it's like, I think I always get stuck in Metro games more like navigation wise and not not as way, much like yeah. The, yeah, the, the encounters. And this is where it's like, oh, this boss is like actually really hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I am terrible because like I uh, when I played through them, I constantly like I get real turned around. And I think that was the biggest area where I get stuck. And it's one of those things where it's like you just start shooting everything around you. You're like, is there a secret wall? Like what's going on? Um so yeah i totally know i can totally relate like the navigation getting stuck yeah and then this game is harder because you're navigating two versions of the same world yeah right but they're different in a cool way i just remember the bosses just being tough maybe i'm just bad maybe i'm just terrible at the game my excuse i'm like i just i'm bad at this game (laughs) yeah i remember they were a step up from the bosses in prime yes they were more interesting to fight that's for sure i think it did the one thing that i hate when games do this but there weren't always checkpoints right before a boss fight. And so sometimes you'd have like right. mm-hmm. 20 minutes to get back to a boss or something. And there might be a, an unskippable cutscene before it too. And so you're just like, come on guys, like just, this is the part, you know, I'm going to have trouble with. So why not make this easy for me to get back? To? <laughs> it's funny. That would probably be more acceptable today in the era of souls games. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> a small side note. I think, yeah, Dread did really well with that. Like, you know, you get knocked out by a boss, spawn right outside the room they're right. in. So, yeah, hopefully they're learning. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking about Dread, too, while, while looking at Metroid Prime 2, because it's interesting to see a lot of the complaints critically for this game centered around how hard it was. And right now, 10 years, more than 10 years later, when Dread comes out, people aren't really complaining about the difficulty. It feels like people are like, yeah, it's hard, but it's like fun hard. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like more so than people expect for, at least for the 2D ones. I don't think the 2D, like, I don't think any of the 2D ones are like overly hard. This is the first one you're like, oh, this is, this is making me sweat mm-hmm. a little bit. It's just yeah. interesting to see that critical reception flip a little bit. Because these are, yeah, uh, maybe the two hardest Metroid games. Maybe, right? Can you think of a harder one? 
intentionally yeah it's like i always think of metroid 2 but that's more just because of the limitations sure. of the hardware and it's just like it's it's easy to get lost but that's not so much by design is just by circumstance you know what i mean for sure well let's get into the actual gameplay what did you guys think of prime when you went back and played it or when you played it back in the day did you like the jumping through different worlds aspect you know you would go into the dark world and you'd be hurt when you were in there i remember that stressing me out yeah i liked the gameplay i i I guess i kind of wish they did a little more like i remember aspects of like needing to activate a switch in the dark world to open up a door in the light world as probably part of the the snippet you mentioned before of it being hard to develop a compelling parallel universe um i i liked it i just wish that there was a little bit more substance or you know meat to kind of chew on with the puzzle aspects of of flipping back and forth yeah and i i mean i'll I'll piggyback off that uh i agree in the sense i i mean i the concept was was awesome but i definitely agree in the sense of like they're wanting a little bit more in that sense but like gameplay wise like yeah like it was you know obviously enjoying the different um the different sides of it and everything but I feel like there could have been more in that category, like a little bit more uh, to do, or maybe like you were saying more in the, like the puzzle aspect. Um, yeah. But I mean, other than that, yeah. Like, I mean, I enjoyed it. Same. Like I, I did. It took me a while to get used to the taking damage right in the dark world. I remember that driving me a little nuts at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause so you, cause you have to find like those safe spaces or you have to create yeah, them. It's like, they're like pockets uh, of light, right? Yeah. 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 And some of them are permanent and some weren't. Um, but I, one thing I did love was that they added like, uh, the screw attack to the yeah, game. Yes. And I think, uh, like, I think you can do the space jump too. Yeah. Cause that wasn't in the first prime, wasn't it? They, they took that out and then added it back in for, for two. Yeah. Cause time constraints basically with prime. Yeah. Um, so I remember like having more fun with that and just thinking it was cool to see a first person version of like the mm-hmm. screw attack and yeah, <laughs> like, what does that gonna look like? Um, so yeah, like I I I like I like I'm a fan of going between two worlds again being a Zelda fan. It's like okay, I, I think I know what to do here. Yeah. I agree with you guys that I wish it was a little bit more puzzly because it, it was pretty much you're in the dark world to just find the pieces of light that you need to find and then not die and then find the next exit that brings you back to the the light world. Yeah, uh it's a little reminiscent of um like Twilight Princess or even Skyward Sword, where you have to do like the the light trials and it's kind of, you know, you have to gather these things and not die. It's the same kind of concept. Yeah, it almost feels like a weird kind of like tough, busy work a little bit. Yeah, uh, right. Like, like, yeah, you're just like, I just want to get back. To yeah, the you're like, I just want to get this done so I can move on. So. <laughs> all, the, all the fun stuff is over there. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> this is the Shrek ride of Metroid games. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. And then the light world is the underrated Prince of Egypt. Dr- DreamWorks is real in VP. Yeah, where's that right? <laughs> Universal. Where's Prince of Egypt 2 wandering the desert for 40 years? Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do love like visually how the worlds look. For sure. Um, I, I think this game looks better than Prime. And like I said last week that even uh, playing the Prime games 10 years like or almost 10 years after their time because i didn't play them after, i didn't have a gamecube i got to them with the original wii i was still blown away of like this still looks really nice right uh like just art direction wise and the dark world looked cool and like it looked sinister and like yeah, i don't yeah, be here. Sure. I, I know um 
kind of just speaking to what you're just saying, you know, with the rumor of the the remasters or uh, the rumor of the remasters of the Prime trilogy. You know, we've been playing through it recently, and I'm like, is there like does it? I mean, it could use it. Of course, it would look great to look in HD, but it's still, as you were saying, it holds up um, even these this you know this many years later. And uh, speaking to the art direction, uh, I think me and my buddy were talking about, you know, finishing Dread. And he was like, we were talking about the direction they went with the suits in this game and kind of the art for that. And he's like, all right, kind of like that scene from Step Brothers where they look at each other. All right, what, what's your favorite Metroid suit? And we both said the light suit. And it's like, yeah, are we best friends? That's exactly why we're best friends. Uh, I just the, the light suit. That's the one that's kind of like shiny, metal, metallic, almost very smooth. Yeah, it almost looks like the pieces kind of like flow together. Like the shoulder pad doesn't look separate. It like moves into the, it's very the chest piece. There's like the four lights in the chest. She's got like bigger pieces on like her knee. It, it just looks sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just pulled it up because I forgot what it looked like and. Yeah, it looks it's it dope. Looks awesome. I love it. Well, there's yeah. even the suit before that you get. I can't remember what it's called, the dark suit or something that had the Leave it. it's dark Yeah, suit. I think it is the dark suit. It had it just looks very industrial. It's got like the big like disc on the yeah, shoulders. There's discs instead of shoulder pads. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a cool look. And it was it was so different than any other Metroid suit that you get. They almost looked like gears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look like fancy yo-yos on her shoulders. Yes. <laughs> I legitimately just pulled it up because I, I completely forgot what it looked like. Um, because I know they the the dark suit, uh they kind of revamped it a little yeah, bit. That one right yeah, there. that's the, the this is the original. But they they um when they had the dark samus for like Super Smash Brothers, they had like the amiibo, they like rounded out the shoulders instead of having, like you said, the big yo-yo shoulders. <laughs> I, like I love that analogy. <laughs> it's got a good kind of like bronze. Yes, yeah. Uh, it actually kind of looks like Beyblades, like on her shoulders. <laughs> oh yeah, she's letting it rip. Did Nintendo ever release a Metroid-themed yo-yo that just looked like Samus doing a screw attack? Yeah, and it lights Wait, up. Did they? Did they do that? Oh, I am sure. It feels like they would have to, right? Wouldn't you have a product that lines up perfectly? If not, it would have to look like a morph ball, right? Yeah, I guarantee somebody has made a Metroid-themed yo-yo that when you you know, fling it out or whatever that it, when it catches, it like sparks. Cause my brother had a yo-yo like that, but it like Metroid themed. I guarantee that that exists. I think I see one, but I can't, this might be a homemade creation. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm sure someone on, on Etsy has made something similar to that. They should also make Metroid basketballs that are just Samus in her morph ball. Just a morph ball. But like yeah. when you bounce it, it like lights up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I did say, I was going to say, I did find a pr- uh, official morph ball. Squishy foam, like a stress ball. So you can right. squeeze Samus if, if, we're if you're stressed. But does she squeeze back? I, I, I think that's a great back-of-the-box quote for Prime 4. She squeezes <laughs> back. <laughs> this time, Samus squeezes back. One interesting tidbit I saw is if you guys remember in the first Metroid Prime, they released the original Metroid was released inside it. So you could like actually play the original Metroid inside prime somewhere they thought about doing that with super metroid as well for prime 2 but then just due to time constraints they they weren't able to do it which is kind of a bummer because it would have been fun to see and that was back in the time when you could like re-release a game inside another game and it wasn't an issue because they weren't selling those games elsewhere now just frog fractions does that (laughs) yeah you know it would be cool if they if i was making this game i would have it to where you played it through her visor in first person like 
the implication that she has Super Metroid programmed into her suit. And when she's bored, she just pulls it up on her visor and just plays it. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. <laughs> really, really cool. Um, it's like a mini game within the game that she just plays on her visor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like training for her. Yeah. She's just, that's how you explain it in universe. Yeah. <laughs> Loading up training protocol. I mean, how arrogant is that? Yeah, I mean, if you're that cool, I'd want to do that too. Like, I want to. <laughs> I guess we did talk about her ship is basically shaped like her head. So. Why not? Yeah. Why not play your own adventure too? You're kind of cocky, but you deserve yeah. it, Samus. Yeah, your own your own mini game inside the main game. I mean, why not? Yeah, little known fact about Samus: huge ego, <laughs> never shuts up about how good she is, except when the camera's rolling, then she shuts up. Doesn't want that to be captured. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. We should probably talk about Dark Samus. Remember her? Ooh. Were you guys terrified of Dark Samus when you first played this? Like horror game or anything horror related. So, uh, it, yes, he was <laughs> <laughs> put on blast. Like just, I mean, I know it's just more of a more recent memory. Um, but like, you know, same kind of idea with dread of having this, this other entity, you don't know when it's going to pop up. You don't know when it's going to come after you. You know, it's vastly more powerful than you at any, almost every time you encounter it. Definitely a, something that I did not, I mean, I enjoy it posthumously, but in the moment, definitely didn't <laughs> didn't enjoy it. It is funny because it's so similar. You mentioned similar to Dread. It's, in my mind, more similar to the SAX from Fusion, which had just come out two, yeah. out, two years yeah, sure. earlier. Okay, Nintendo did this concept where Samus's suit has basically come to life, and now you're kind of just copying that Metroid Prime. But at the same time, I like it. It's fun to have a dark version of somebody fight themselves. Yeah. The thing that creeps me out most about Dark Samus is that she, she has feet. Like yeah. Actually, with toes and toenails. It's Just, it's super creepy. It reminds me, I don't know if you've all seen this, but there was like somebody drew um Kirby with like human feet. Nope. No thank <laughs> yeah. you. Like like without a shoe. Yeah, it's, it's nightmare fuel. Nope. And that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Yeah, it's like everything else is pretty accurate, but for whatever reason, Dark Samus doesn't have boots. She's just got like monster feet, which I guess reinforces that she is, in fact, a monster. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. What do you think the thought process was behind that? I guess that, right? It's like a monstrous version of her. It's almost like a, it almost reminds me of like a werewolf quality of like. Yeah, yeah. It's like the regular, like most of what you know as Samus is there, but like the monster is like escaping. So like it'd be like when a war- werewolf transforms or like their monster feet burst through their shoes and stuff. <laughs> it's got like that well, quality to yeah, it. Yeah, like me. a more feral aspect. Um, I think it also kind of taps in to like that uncanny valley, but not in the same way, but like everything, as you said, like looks to be there and in, in position, but why is your power suit have toes and toenails? And I, I'm, I'm wondering if it was just like a design purpose, just to again, give it that like creepy feral yeah. like, wildness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is creepy. Yeah. There's a reason we invented shoes. That's <laughs> <laughs> why Sonic never takes his shoes off either. Yeah, there's a whole yeah. reason. It's why Kirby, again, think- that art, that's why Kirby never takes his shoes off. It's because that is a monstrosity. <laughs> yes. Also, the feet have veins. Well, speaking them. of veins, yes. you remember her final form when you fight Dark Samus for the last time? I think that is a really cool look where she has, you can kind of see her skull inside and see her oh, veins. Yeah. It's just such a really yeah. cool 
the nervous system and stuff. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, Dark Samus is already kind of a monster, but by the end of that game, it's just like, ooh, something is really effed up with it. It almost feels like you're not okay, right? <laughs> it, it's like a mercy killing at the end of the game. Like if I'm remembering correctly, it's it's almost like kind of translucent looking, like the skull. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a very like creepy. It almost reminds me a little bit of um like a Dark Souls meets Dead Space. Like it's that creepy like I don't know. Like it, it's it's very like sci-fi um like horror looking, and I really love the design. And uh, honestly, some of the artwork some of these people have done, like obviously taking. Uh, the old, you know, actual screenshots from the game and like making it look realistic is horrifying. Um, and some people get straight up made it look like something from Dead Space, and it's super, super cool. <laughs> yeah, how is that not an alternate skin for Samus and Smash? That too scary or something? How cool would that look in a Smash Brothers fight? Because, like, honestly, if they did it in like today's graphics, like. I mean, they could make it simplistic like they did um, back in the original game, but uh, I would honestly love to see it like done in full, like like really awesome detail, um, kind of like with Metroid Dread, like a you know a upscaled model of the old you know version of it. But yeah, that's my guess. Probably it was just too scary. Yeah, it'd be nightmare inducing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd make children puke more than Shrek Two. <laughs> this is the Shrek Two of suits. <laughs> really going hard against Shrek 2 this episode. Uh, can't wait till we talk about the Shrek games. <laughs> oh yeah, now I have to play. Didn't total segue, didn't uh, Shrek have a GameCube game? Or my PS2? I feel like he's had several, right? It was PlayStation 2. Mm. It's it's literally your nightmare fuel. <laughs> I know He has a Smash Brothers clone, I know that. Are you serious? What's it called? Like Swamp Brawl or something like that? It's, it's like slam. somewhat... Shrek Swamp Super Slam. Slam. Super Slam, yeah. yeah. It's like somewhat infamous for being terrible. It's got a bit of it's got a bit of a meme following. What? <laughs> You're saying the Shrek game is a knockoff of Smash Brothers is bad? <laughs> this is literally your nightmare. Like there are so many, not only like Wii and 360. Shrek Super Slam. Shrek Extra Large. Is that real? On GameCube. No, that can't be real. Somebody somebody made that. That's not real. I refuse to believe that's real. It was developed by Retro. Okay. Mm. Between Prime games, they put that out. Oh my <laughs> That's what we were doing in between Metroid games. We just had to get See, it. Like, I legitimately can't tell, like, looking at these Shrek games, because the ones that are real sound ridiculous, but the ones that are, like, fake also sound like they could be mm-hmm. real. So I can't tell what is, like, a joke and what isn't. Oh, that's kind of like reading the Shrek script. <laughs> Your hatred of Shrek is giving me life. <laughs> well, speaking of darkness, uh, <laughs> we should probably best segue. Yeah, we should probably talk about. I guess the multiplayer mode. Did you guys spend a lot of time in multiplayer? No, I didn't even. I don't think I even realized it had one because I was playing it by myself. I didn't have anyone at the time to like play this with. So at my school, you know, I was like the only person that was like standing the GameCube while everyone else was like Xbox rules and you suck. A true Nintendo boy. And so none of my friends had a GameCube that would even, you know, play Prime 2. So Mm -hmm. they were off busy watching Shrek while I was doing the real stuff. I think you could only play a two player on a single screen and then, yeah, you had to go online to play more. 
And I was not super excited to <laughs> play like one match. And I was like, eh, I am good. It's just not, it's not, those controls aren't designed with multiplayer in mind. Were you just on like, because on paper, it sounds like, though, that could be cool. Like a bunch of Samus's going after each other and turning into morph balls and screw attacking each other. But like, it seems like it would come down to the map design. It's like, is it just an arena or is it just the Metroid labyrinth where you're all running and hiding from each other? Yeah, it's just a bunch of arenas where you're fighting each other. I'm with you. I think maybe there's an idea where you could make a multiplayer game that's interesting in, in you know, Metroid's world. I think it would have to be a little bit more like Spies versus Mercs or something, you know, Splinter Cells multiplayer mode where, where it's maybe one person has more abilities than the other and it requires right. you to explore or something. Because they made that a... Uh... I guess it wasn't multi or competitive, but there was that Federation Force 3DS game that was like four player, yeah. wasn't it? And yep. people were people are still angry about that from what I understand. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was so mean to do. So mean. <laughs> yeah, because that was post. We'll probably talk about it later. I'm sure it was post Metroid Other M. Yeah. When people were like, OK, you've salted the earth with the Metroid franchise now. Are you ever going to give us <laughs> anything else? Us that, and they're like, you're like, really? Like, how dare you? They've already poured salt in our wound, and now you're just going to rub it in with this yeah. game that nobody wants. Exactly yeah. how I thought. I was like, why did you do this to us? They were so excited oh. about it. Yeah. I remember watching that announcement at E3, too, and I was like, okay, they're not going to announce this and not announce a real Metroid. That, that would just be stupid. Thought. <laughs> boy, were we wrong. Oh, boy. <sighs> Turns out I was the stupid one. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, the something I was thinking while you were talking about the multiplayer is, you know, I could see something like Quake Arena. You know, like the like the original Quake multiplayer was, you know, very like movement based and you know had rockets and stuff. I, you know, I think I could see something like that with Metroid and like using the grapple beam and like the space jump and screw attack to be able to get around. And or, or I was thinking like the the battles in like Halo where you have um I can't remember exactly what it's specifically called. But basically, it's like a multiplayer, like you guys are all on the map and you're trying to take each other out, like something like that. Um, but Metroid. Yeah, like a death, like a death match. Yeah, because I remember, I can't remember which Halo it is, but uh, yeah, we're like you, you'd get the, I um, can't remember what the staff is called. Do you mean like, like Griff Ball? Like Griff Ball, but like in the sense of like you guys. Where it's more open and there's less kind of like stuff around. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of like Smash Brothers meets like Splatoon where you're like in an open area and you're like all have like a specific like goal or you guys are on teams to do something. Um, something like that I think would actually be really fun. Uh, it's just a matter of if they ever do it. Or, or the execution of the it. The execution yeah. of it, yeah. But I could totally see it, like, working in the Metroid world. Like, I, I definitely think it's something that people would have fun, you know, just like a, like a quick game of, you know, people multiplayer, like, wanting to play, you know, a bunch of different... And especially if you have a bunch of, like, all of the suits. Like, you guys can choose different suits for stuff. Mm. Um, I think it would be really, really neat. Yeah. Uh, again, if it ever happens, who knows? But I think it'd be, like, a fun, like, mini game to, like, add on to, like, a Metroid game. The suits idea is interesting. If you had different suits that had different abilities, you know, pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses that, hey, maybe I want to equip this suit because I can go into this dark energy and come up behind you guys. Or maybe I want to equip this suit to go into, I don't know, I guess it would just be what area can I go into? I don't know. But right. maybe maybe well, suits would also come with equipment like grappling hooks or something. That yeah, you exactly. Kind of like a yeah. loadout or something. And then I think you mentioned too, like something like spies. Like what if, you know, there's like 10 people on a map. And like you're designated a particular target because Samus is a bounty hunter. 
And so like each person is designated a specific person and, you know, picking a suit that allows you to go into the hot area where maybe your assailant didn't pick that kind of a thing. That might be kind of a, an, an interesting take on, you know, being more of like an assassin style uh, gameplay rather than strictly focused on like FPS mechanics or. Exactly. I've got it. It's just Titanfall where everyone starts at zero suit and he, everyone's fighting to get the actual vi- like various suit. So it's just a bunch of zero suit Samus is running around and then you got to call down to real. OK, yeah, 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 that's interesting. House. Ooh, that's not a bad <laughs> idea. All right. Your move, Nintendo. <laughs> we, gave, we just gave you a gold mine. <laughs> call us when you're ready to talk. Well, should we dive into the story, Marcus? I believe we should. So uh, sit back, kids. Let's take a look back at the epic story of Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. So it begins with Samus on planet Aether because she has been sent to rescue stranded Marines who have uh, gone missing after they got into a skirmish with space pirates that were around the planet and on the planet. Uh, But the Galactic Federation lost touch with them. And it turns out that when she arrives, that's because of some electromagnetic storms. And unfortunately, she finds the Marines already dead. And the creatures responsible are some native monsters called splinters. But the Marines rise up from the dead and they attack Samus. They're zombies. Yes. Finally, Samus has finally encountered zombies. Well, speaking of the Marines, the dead Marines, don't you acquire their audio logs or something? Or you can listen to something. And it's like the first instance of English VO in a Metroid game. Oh, okay. I believe that's the case. I think there is like a log of, of like the captain who was was killed and you kind of get to watch like the moment where they encounter the splinters, mm-hmm. I think it is like in, in that area. Yeah, I just remember that being surprising. And I was like, oh, where is this narrative going? Like, is this story going to be interesting? And, you know, <laughs> it's still a Metroid story. But I remember being excited because of the VO. Right. Like, oh, they, they could go in some cool directions here. And I don't think they really. I don't know. I don't know if they lived up to the promise, let's say, but it's yeah. cool that they at least are slowly moving towards, <laughs> you know, <laughs> modern gaming, I guess. <laughs> Storytelling kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this story does take an interesting turn because it is during this uh, attack with these zombified Marines that she first encounters Dark Samus. And as we mentioned last week, if you completed Metroid Prime with 100%, you got a special cutscene that already teased the arrival of Dark Samus. Uh, so this is uh, her, I guess, her real debut. They get into a brief skirmish and Dark Samus escapes into a portal in which Samus follows. And this portal takes Samus to Dark Aether, which is a dark dimensional counterpart of regular Aether. Uh, the just the atmosphere and everything in there is hostile to her, damages her. And she encounters the Ing, which is a uh, dark creatures that pretty much dwell within the Dark Aether. They capture her. They steal her suit powers, which is this game's reason for why she loses all her stuff, because you have to have that. (laughs) Do you think the the creatures were a typo, by the way, the Ing? It's it's like they were typed the Zorglings or something, and they accidentally deleted the Zorg. Just Ing was left. <laughs> and, uh, I believe M. Night Shyamalan pronounces them Ong. <laughs> I don't get that yes. reference. I'm sorry. Oh, it's sure. the live action avatar 
the oh. last Airbender movie. Oh. He's, I don't like he's to called talk about Ong instead of Ang, and that was his yeah. reason. He's like, it's actually pronounced Ong. <laughs> Yeah, he basically well actually the entire Avatar. He did. Thing. He straight up well actually the whole the whole oh with a multi million dollar movie. <laughs> so the Ing as as awkward as it is to say they they are no joke. They are some really powerful creatures, and they take her powers and they toss her right back where she came from, back into normal aether. And so back there, she explores for a while, and she finds out that the splinters were possessed by the Ing. And that they kill the Marines. And she encounters a creature named Yumos. It's U, the letter U, hyphen M-O-S. It's Umos, perhaps? I mean, Umos makes sense to me, looking at it. (laughs) Okay. I was one of them meant to be like Lumos, because he basically is like on the light side, like luminous. Oh, yeah, that's a good. Let's go with that. I like that take. Okay. So, yeah, Umos, Umos uh, tells her, pretty much fills her on in the backstory, like, hey, the Ing are kind of the rivals to my race, the Luminoth. And we've been at war for a long time, but they arrived, They got the upper hand when a meteor hit our planet and it brought the Ing with them, basically. Or like the Ing came via meteor and wiped out the Luminoth to near extension. So this is the second prime game in a row that a meteor has been the cause of a planet strife and pretty much says like, Hey, if you can bring us three pieces of the light of Aether, which is the energy that keeps our planet alive and it's trapped in the dark Aether, we might be able to turn the tide here. And Samus agrees. And so she spends the entire game. She travels to three distinct areas. There's the, the Aegon waste, there's the Torvis Bog, just like a swamp, and then the Sanctuary Fortress, where each of them has a piece of this light of Aether. She eventually obtains all three, returns it back to the Luminoth uh, temples, and it is there that she battles Dark Samus once again, as well as Space Pirates. We almost went through a Metroid game without Space Pirates being a thing, but they, uh, they appear here. And uh, she also fights the Ing along the way. And it's not till she gets, uh, you know, all of them and assembles them that she battles uh, ostensibly almost the final boss, which is Emperor Ing. He's the the emperor of the Ing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think he's really much of a character. <laughs> I think I figured it out, Marcus. I think they were supposed to be called Darklings or something. And they're like, we can't just call them Darklings. That's boring. And they went to lead it. And then maybe somebody accidentally just forgot, left the Ing in there. Yeah, and they're like, oh, this is this is good. This works. Yeah. I believe it's um, pronounced Ong. <laughs> I believe I believe Ing in the Luminoth language, like I think it's supposed to like I think it translates to something. Oh, let's find like out. They built a real language in there? I think so. Oh. They pulled a fez. Oh, we're pulling up the lore. Let's find out. Also, isn't Darklings the name of the demons from the darkness? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So, too. Yeah. So they, the the Luminoth named Ing, which is terror in, in the Luminoth language. Uh, OK, so there was purpose behind it. That's that's accurate. They are they are a problem and they are scary. Uh, so this is Emperor Terror then. <laughs> and <laughs> he they uh, Samus defeats the the king of all terror to obtain the final bit of light of Aether and this causes the entire dark world to collapse due to instability. 
And as she's making her way back to a regular Aether, she faces off against Dark Samus one more time. And this is where we get the terrifying translucent <laughs> Dark Samus that we're getting over. Yeah, she looks like she, she would glow in the dark. <laughs> Definitely under a black light. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool nightlight. <laughs> and wipes her out for good and escapes back to the world of regular Aether. She returns to Umos. And she finds out that the Luminoth have been hibernating this whole time. And now they have awakened that all the light has returned. And so they have a, a big celebration. It's, it's uh, like a Ewok Return of the Jedi style thing. And Samus leaves the planet. I do like that walk. She sort of walks off into the light and she just does a little yeah, wave. Just like, like gives her a, a nice you. little wave. It's kind of like the end of Yu-Gi-Oh! And Pharaoh goes to the yeah. afterlife. <laughs> Yes, she gives the thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, well, I half expected a thumbs up. I was like, oh, she's going to give a thumbs up as she walks out. But no, yeah, she, no she's too cool. <laughs> she's too cool for thumbs up. Is that what you're saying? I mean, she's we've all about thumbs down. Thumbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's- oh, she gives a thumb up. See you next mission. That's you, sort of her thing. You got to do a lot to get a thumbs up from Samus. Um, but much like Metroid Prime. If you obtain every item in Prime 2, there is a secret cutscene that shows Dark Samus reforming herself. So she's still out there somewhere. Dun, dun, dun. And it's funny because like looking up this lore and, and like, some of the backstory, like they one of the focuses was with Prime 2 is that they were trying to be a lot more cinematic. There's a lot more cutscenes in this game than there were in Prime 1. Uh, they were trying to tell, I guess, a more complete story, um, which might explain them basically coming up with their own like little language, I guess, if they were going all out like that. Um, but yeah, I do remember this game being a lot more cinematic overall. And like I said, the, the audio log stuff, right? Like, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because it came out the same year as Half-Life 2, you know, which kind of set the bar for uh, story driven first person games again. And, you know, I'm not saying there's no way they could have taken inspiration from that, but it's just like interesting timing of like, that's just where the industry was kind of starting to move to a little bit, especially for first person shooters or first person adventure as Nintendo likes to technically Mm -hmm. classify the Prime series. Right, right. Same year as Half-Life 2 and Halo 2. So there was some stiff, you know, first person competition. Even talk about like narrative games. Metal Gear 3 was coming out that year. So it just, I don't know. Again, spoiled. It's tough to be. What's that? I said again, spoiled. What a year. Oh, yeah, we were spoiled. Yeah, for sure. Bunch of good games. But I think, I don't know, it's so hard to do cinematic games. I'm sure you got to put a lot of resources into it. And this game came out two years after the last one. So they didn't have a ton of time to really re to really iterate on the things that they had done before. So the fact that this game is still good, I think, is I don't know, a testament to the talent there, obviously. Yeah. But also, like, they must have been working hard. Yes, there's a lot of pizza parties. Yeah, a lot of pizza parties. <laughs> this a is lot a of weird grease question. on those keyboards. Yeah. This is a weird question to ask of a Metroid game, but did you guys like this story? Like, do you guys remember, like, oh, man, what a great adventure. I mean, like, I, to answer your question and sort of tie into the other games that were coming out, like, you know, Half-Life, Halo, Metal Gear... You know, their their previous entries had, you know, a strong narrative and a strong foundation to build from. And Metroid 
the narrative has always been like there's a bug or there's a there's a big boss or a creature go kill it and there hasn't really been kind of this deep underlying narrative and so to try to make a cinematic game in such a short time with not a lot that to really build off of from the first game you know i think it i think it does say something like you know these devs worked hard and and really put out something that i i personally think is memorable um i think the the art style and art direction that we talked about before there's a reason why i think metroid is kind of like this got this cult strong cult following is because it, it evokes emotion it evokes feeling without having to have a crazy deep story um just because of what the game kind of makes you feel by what you're seeing or what you're experiencing as you play um i think the the, the luminoff for me remind me a lot of the chozo is kind of this kind of high-tech ancient sort of race that's kind of existed for a long time they sort of fit that same kind of like spot in my head i guess and i you know i think they're you know it's like some logs that you can read that like the luminoth and the chozo had some ties and they traded technology and stuff like that i think and so even though we didn't really get to if i, I might be remembering wrong but i don't really think we got to see much chozo stuff but we got to see more luminoth stuff in this game and just being able to kind of dig into that a little more i thought was interesting i liked the you know kind of the temple-esque style you know go here do all this stuff and then move to the next area and do all this stuff and i think that helped the story flow well because you were able to focus on each of those areas and getting those three pieces to put together for sure and what's interesting about this story too is that i believe it's the first metroid up to this point to have no metroids whatsoever and i was reading that they were kind of trying to stay away from that with this one um like they wanted to introduce the new race and conflict and you know like pretty much like yeah not every like metroid almost falls into the star wars trap sometimes of like it feels like lucasfilm like every star wars has to have lightsabers and jedis and siths and it's not like mandalorian shows like oh you can tell other stories that aren't that and like metroid kind of doing the same thing like you know like i know it's in the title and all but what if we did this without actually having a metroid show up right right exactly Talking about Metroid stories reminds me of Returnal, which came out earlier this year. And there were a lot of people talking about that game when that came out, that that game feels like what a Metroid, a 3D Metroid game could have been like in another universe. You know, they could have gone maybe that way because it's so haunting and eerie and you're exploring this 3D space. You're getting upgrades that slowly allow you to get to new areas. I like Mm -hmm. that game a lot. I don't think it's. I wouldn't classify it as a Metroid game per se, but I do think like Metroid Returnal also had a really did a really good job of creating a haunting atmosphere. And I think that's what you were kind of saying, Kyle, of that's really what I want out of a Metroid game. Place me in this area, make me feel this sort of haunting, eerie isolation feeling. And then whatever you can do to layer a story through that. Great. But I don't need you to go heavy handed or like really push a narrative or, or really go really hard on the story. It really should be sort of interwoven in there. And I think Returnal kind of did that pretty well, whereas like occasionally you would get little bits of story. And I think the overall, 
Returnal has an interesting tale to tell, but it's, you know, it does that with a light touch. And I think Metroid should take the same approach. I think that's where Metroid's really like stood out for me as I've played over the years is it hasn't necessarily been about the narrative. Like if I want like a solid sci-fi narrative, you know, I, I, I personally like think of Halo and, you know, Master Chief's story with Cortana and, you know, kind of their whole journey, you know, among other games. The, the thing that stands most out to me, and, and I mentioned it earlier, is like when you boot up Prime and you hear that like the original soundtrack, come on. It's got like the like the sci-fi pings and and just that ambient atmosphere. That's what I think of when I think of Metroid. I don't think of a story per se. You know, just the fact that it's been what, 20 some years and now we get dread and the conclusion to kind of this Metroid arc of Samus. You know, her, this this arc has gone over how long, but it hasn't really had like any of these major story beats that you can get in other games that have a tighter narrative. Whereas in this, it's, it's more focused, I think on the atmosphere, the platforming, the exploring and, and like, as you were saying with Returnal, just lightly weaving in these elements around everything else is where I think Metroid shines the most. Yeah. Those are really good points. Any final thoughts on Metroid prime two? Is it worth going back to play today? I think it's, I still consider it a good game. I still like it. I think I yeah. probably like the first one a yeah, little bit sure, more. Sure. But it's, like we said, the milking cow of the series. So it's a weird oddball. It's a little bit harder, darker, but still still good. Still a good game. Yeah, the cookies and cream of Metroid. That's right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't played it in about, I guess, almost exactly 10 years now. But, you know, even though I had trouble with it in terms of difficulty, I still had an amazing time with it. I would love to revisit it. The other thing that made it super weird we didn't even bring up earlier was the fact that this is, I think, the first game where you actually had ammo. Well, I guess you have you have missile ammo in most Metroid games, but this game you had like ammo for your main because you had a light and a dark gun that you'd use yeah. against different enemies and you had ammo for each one, which I wasn't a fan of conceptually for a Metroid game, but playing it wasn't really a huge issue. It was always pretty easy to find ammo. Speaking to like gameplay mechanics, that's you know, like Prime and the FPS version of Metroid versus the 2D. How do you guys feel about like beam stacking and missile stacking? Like in Dread, where it's like each upgrade kind of just tacks on top, tacks on top. Whereas in Prime, it's I select the power beam, I select the plasma beam, I select this weapon. Do you guys prefer one way or the other? I I was thinking about this the other night because I'm I'm still playing Dread. I just got like the Super Plasma Bean, the like green one, and it it was when did it hit me because I hadn't played a Metro game in a little while because it's been a while since we've gotten one. And I was like, oh yeah, you, you used to be able to switch between these, but it's like that was the Prime games, and I I, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that it was baked in because it was just less for me to think about and to like, you know, like I was like, oh, I gotta hit another button just to open this one door. I like that it's just like, oh, this just works on these new doors and anything underneath that, like hierarchy, basically. I think I agree with you, Marcus concept. Like I definitely, I don't think I prefer that, but the flip side is that when you get a thing, it sort of diminishes your feeling of getting a new thing to some degree because you get a more powerful missile, but it's not a new thing in your inventory. Really is it, and it functions just like a normal missile, but it's more powerful. 
And okay, I guess it's more powerful, but I don't, the fact that I don't have to switch over to it makes me feel like I have fewer things in a sense. So I can see the argument the other side. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, apparently when they released the Prime Collection for Wii, someone had retro, because I think addressing the criticisms for like the original criticism that Echoes was kind of hard. And I guess there were a couple of bosses in particular that were tough. Apparently, you took the opportunity to go back in and lower the difficulty. So apparently in the tr- Prime Trilogy, there's a couple of bosses that are not as hard as they were in the GameCube release. That's right. I did not know that. I, yeah, because apparently it was like a regret. Like he was like, actually, he's like, I wish I could ta- kind of take this back and then just give him the perfect chance to he fiddle said, with that. I code. could. Yeah, Metroid Prime. I think it's the lowest selling game of the Prime series. The second one? It didn't even crack a million copies. I think that's a little bit dated. So... Really? Take that with a grain of salt, but yeah, not wasn't a huge game for the year, but also I remember that release year being crazy and stuff like Halo 2 and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas had just come out. So how are you going to compete with juggernauts like that? Exactly. exactly. That would have also been the same year that they started bundling Prime 1 with GameCubes. Yeah, so maybe people were just playing, oh, I got Prime. Yeah, like on one hand, I could see it being like a good gateway. Like, hey, we got this new one coming out, so like we can get a new audience. They'll be so excited for the for the second one because they were given the first one. But yeah, what if that right. <laughs> they're like, no, this is fine. I'm good with this one. <laughs> yep. I think that does it. Yeah. No final thoughts on on Prime Two. I think that game's good. I I guess it's the the redheaded stepchild of the Prime series. I still look at Prime or Metroid Two as that like the actual metroid 2 but yeah it, right. it's it's one of the weirder entries because of the like dark world stuff but um mm-hmm. but anyway, I, I love that it gets away from the metroid stuff entirely it's like the first real example of that and i think it succeeded there and like because people are asking now with dread like oh how do you make metroid games without metroid and you know tendo has already said that oh no this is not we're not going to stop making metroid games i mean we have one coming out first and foremost <laughs> but they had they clarified recently that yeah we're going to make more games um so this is kind of this game is relevant now it's like oh they've already done a game that has no metroids whatsoever and, and i think i think too like obviously looking back you know, now, you know, maybe it wasn't as loved or, you know, as prevalent back then, but especially with Dread out now that I feel like it fits in a little bit better. Um, so if people who have played Dread, you know, maybe go back and play, maybe it'll have a little bit more like resonance with the series, much like, you know, the Zelda franchise, kind of the same thing. There's a couple games that did not do great, but people played them, you know, five, six years later and they're like, you know, man, everybody slept on this game. They're like, this is great. So I feel like it's kind of got that same potential and like, you know, saying a game that, you know, isn't focused on you were saying the Metroid and stuff. It's a it's, its own thing, um, I think, makes it very unique, not maybe as loved now or uh, back then, but maybe now it will be. But it still feels like Metroid. It still right? feels like Metroid. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely still a Metroid game for sure. Thanks, guys, for being on. And thank everybody out there for listening to this episode of the show. Please like and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We might start reading some out here soon. If you want to get in touch, you can write us at podcast at gameinformer.com. We really appreciate that. We'll, you know, send us a correction or just, just your love. Send us your love. You can get in contact with me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. You can reach me at Marcus Stewart 7 on Twitter. It's the number seven. 
And then Kai and Kyle, do you have anything you want to promote or how should people get in touch with you? Um, I, I am Captain Dangerous on Instagram, uh, Captain Dangerous 64 on Twitter and Dangerous Pixels on Facebook. Those are the big three that I have. And I'm at Admiral Boogaloo on Instagram and Twitter. Well, thanks for being on today's show, guys. Of course, this was a blast. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody out there for listening again. Come back next week. We'll be talking about Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. Mm. Direct 2 is a bad movie.